Why do you believe in God? This is the question. So a lot of guys will start off the year with a New Year's resolution that they want to read through the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation in that calendar year. Maybe that was you. Maybe you made that resolution. Maybe you didn't call it a resolution, but that's something that you have purposed in your heart that you want to do. Well, the Bible starts in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, with this assertion. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is literally the first verse in the entire Bible. It's Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. This was written by a man named Moses 3,500 years ago, and it states that God's existence, the reality that God is there, is the most fundamental fact in all the universe. Is it true? And can you explain why you believe that it's true? Or is the belief in God just an outdated notion, something that we used to believe in the past as a society, but now we've really moved past and we, we shouldn't believe it anymore. We should move on from it. This is what we're talking about today. This is Worldview Legacy, the show that helps Christian men become the worldview leaders their families and churches need. My name is Joel Sedeckes, and my mission is to help you, the Christian man who's not a pastor but wants to apply God's teaching in your home and work and local area, to build a legacy where you and your kids and your wife will be able to confidently articulate the answers to the questions the world is asking from the Bible, and you will see Jesus change lives as you share your faith. So, I want to share with you why I believe that belief in God is not only intellectually valid, but that it's also the only way of making sense of the world. And in the process, I want to help you articulate for yourself and for those in your local area why you believe in God. So why do I believe in God and why do I think you should too? This is what I want to help you articulate today. Now, as a man, this is one of the most important questions you can possibly answer in your life. Knowing how to articulate what you believe about God and why is going to help you make sense of where you come from, why you're here, and where your life is headed. And Knowing how to answer this question is going to help you lead your family well on a day-to-day -day basis. You should be able to lead your family in articulating why you believe in God. So if you're a Christian, this talk is for you. My goal is to help you gain more confidence in explaining why you believe in God. And if you're not a Christian and you're listening to this, my goal is to challenge you to think critically about this and to give you something to chew on so that you can leave and you can go back and you can wrestle with this concept of, is God really there? And why do so many Christians believe in him? And you know what? If you're on the fence, this talk is for you as well. Now, if you enjoy this, you find this thought-provoking and you want to get more stuff like this, I want to let you know about our Facebook group. It's called The Think Squad. And it's where you can join hundreds of others who are on the same journey as you to become the worldview leaders that their families and churches need. If that's something that interests you, I'm going to tell you more about our group and how you can gain access to it at the end of this show. So here we go. This is my big idea today. Belief in God just makes sense. I'm going to help you explain why that is. Why does belief in God just make sense? Now, I am a Christian. And so I believe that the cause of my belief in God is God himself. Literally, the Holy Spirit has given me faith in God. 
However, there is a difference between the cause of belief and the reason for someone's belief. Today, we're talking about reasons, and I want to give you three reasons that reveal that belief in God, the God of the Bible, is the only way to make sense of the world and human experience at all. Specifically, we're going to look at three ways why belief in God makes sense. One, it makes sense of the Bible. I'll explain what I mean. Two, it makes sense of the world. And three, it makes sense of my own experience. And I want to share my experience with you. When you're sharing this yourself with those in your local area, guys at work, you're going to fill in your own experience. But I'm going to share my experience now as sort of a, a template to help you think about how to do this for yourself. Okay, let's start with number one. Why does belief in God make sense of the Bible? And why is, why is that even important? Well, from the first book of Genesis to the last book of Revelation, the Bible is clear that God is real. Now, you might say, okay, that's a great reason for you, but you know, I don't believe the Bible. Or what about the guy who doesn't believe the Bible? You can't really use the Bible as evidence, can you? Well, here's the answer to that. And I get that objection. I totally understand it. But truth is truth, whether you believe it or not. Isn't that a fact? And authority is authoritative, whether you believe in it or not. So for example, let's say you went out and got a new Tesla and you take it, uh, take it onto the street and you hit the gas to really see if it can truly go from zero to 60 in 3.5 seconds. That's what I've heard that it can do. And you do that. And sure enough, your Tesla goes zero to 60 in 3.5 seconds, but there's only one problem. You did that in a school zone. And a police officer right on cue pulls you over, flashing lights, and he comes up to your window and he says, sir, you were going 60 in a 20, and I have to write you a ticket. Is it going to do you any good to say, officer, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm off the hook. I don't believe in speed limits. Obviously, no, that is not going to help you out. Why? Because the authority of the speed limit is still true, is still authoritative, whether or not you believe in it. The authority is still valid whether or not you agree with it. This is true for the Bible as well. The Bible is authoritative because it is God's word. And there are different ways that we can tell this. First of all, the Bible is self-authenticating. Now, I posted this on Facebook, and I got tons of pushback, but nothing that changed my mind about it. So I'm going to keep, I'm going to run with this. What does it mean that the Bible is self-authenticating? Well, to authenticate something, what does that mean? It means to prove that it is authentic, to prove that it is real, that it is truly what it claims to be. So the Bible claims to be from God. It claims to be God-breathed. We sometimes call it the Word of God or the written Word of God. The Bible shows itself to be authentically from God. It bears the marks of having been breathed out by God, as 2 Timothy 3.16 says. The Bible is a living book. As you read the Bible, you realize it's actually reading you. Michael Kruger, who is uh, the president of Reformed Theological Seminary, he has this great video on the Gospel Coalition where he talks about this. He says, the Bible, as you read it, it, it you realize it is reading you. And this is what we should expect if the Bible really is from God. Hebrews 4.13 says this, 
For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Have you ever experienced this? You're reading God's word, and all of a sudden you realize that it is exposing certain qualities about yourself or certain tendencies, sinful tendencies and habits that you know you need to deal with or a relationship that needs to be mended. And it tells you not only that it needs mending, but how to do it. Or maybe you've been reading scripture and God will bring you just the exact right promise from God to encourage you in that particular moment. I've experienced this countless times. The Bible bears the marks of being a living document. It's breathed out by God. It's from God. It's living. It's active. It is authoritative. And as you read it, it authenticates itself. Does that mean that every atheist who reads the Bible is instantly converted to Christ? No, it doesn't. But for a Christian who is guided by the Holy Spirit, absolutely the Bible shows itself to be authentic. Now, there is another way that it authenticates itself. Okay, now, Hang with me on this. Let's say that you wanted to investigate the Bible. You wanted to see if it's logical, if it's moral, and if it's true. In other words, you wanted to see if it's logical. You wanted to see if it had any contradictions. You wanted to see if its teachings are moral. In other words, if they're good. And you wanted to see if it was true. Does it actually correspond to the way reality is and history? Okay, so you wanted to make this investigation. What would you need to assume before you make this investigation? Think about that. And let me just mention here that a friend of mine who's a Christian apologist named Jay Warner Wallace, he is a cold case detective by trade. He's been on TV, countless shows for years and years and years. Several years ago, decades, a couple decades ago, he set out to prove whether or not the gospels were really true. So this is like a real investigation that people are doing. Now he became convinced, but I want to ask you to think about what did he have to assume before he started his inquiry? What do you have to assume before you start to inquire and investigate whether or not the Bible is true? Well, you would need a standard. You would need a standard of logic, of morality, and of truth. Now, this standard would have to be objective. It couldn't just be something subjective to you because all that tells us is your own biases or your preferences or your personal taste. So this can't be a subjective standard. It has to be objective, a standard that's out there that exists outside of us. And it has to be an unchanging and universal standard. It has to be unchanging and it has to be universal because the Bible was not written yesterday. The Bible was written 2,000 years ago plus and the standard by which we would judge it would have to have applied then as well as now. Otherwise, maybe the authors of the Bible were operating on a totally different standard. Okay, so the standard has to be unchanging, universal, objective. Well, guess what? The Bible teaches that there is such a standard. It's God. According to the Bible, God is the ultimate standard of logic, morality, and truth. But if you take God out of the picture. Let's say you, you want to start just objectively. You're not, you don't want to presuppose God. Well, the only alternative to not presupposing God is presupposing not God. So if you presuppose not God, you start with God, or you start with maybe sort of an ambiguous blank slate universe. There's really no way to be actually 
neutral about the question of God. As many as as much as many people want to try and act like that's possible, it's not actually possible uh, epistemologically. But if you take God out of the picture, you're left with no standard. You lose the very criteria that you need to investigate the Bible. Even if you try to start from an ambiguous agnostic platform where you're not sure if God is really there, that still doesn't give you the objective, universal, unchanging standard of logic, morality, and truth that you need to investigate the Bible. In other words, here's what all this means. If you start with God, you can investigate the Bible. If you start with no God, you can't. The Bible teaches that God is real. And you have to assume that that is true or act like that is true in order to even investigate whether or not the Bible is true. That's incredible, right? The Bible itself provides the basis for its own investigation. The, uh, I can tell you this. No other worldview lays out such a foundation where you have to assume that it is true in order to even investigate it. And if you try that with another worldview, you will quickly see that that is the case. I've talked about this on the Worldview Legacy podcast uh, a number of times. But the question, is the Bible true, only makes sense if the Bible is true and God is really there. Isn't that amazing? It just so happens then that, yes, the Bible is logical. The Bible is moral. The Bible does have no true contradictions. And it's true. So the Bible is self-authenticating which is amazing and which is a fact that I love. But the Bible has other incredible qualities. For example, we talk about the Bible as being the good book, but really it's not just one book. The Bible is a library of 66 different books. And these 66 books were written by about 40 authors writing over a period of 1,500 years in three different languages, Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew. And they were writing on three different continents, and most of these authors did not know each other. And yet... Despite that incredible diversity, it has one single cohesive message centered on God's plan to save sinners through his son, Jesus Christ. That is astonishing for a collection of books with those attributes, with, which, with that much diversity. But there's still even more. The Bible contains fulfilled prophecies. Okay, now, check this out. The Bible contains certain prophecies about the world and different kingdoms, but its most fascinating and its most incredible prophecies have to do with the person of Jesus Christ. Now, number crunchers have statistically analyzed the odds of Jesus fulfilling just eight prophecies that the Bible makes about him. And I'm talking prophecies that were made between 400 and uh, 1500 years before Jesus. Okay, just eight of those prophecies. Do you know what the odds are of Jesus being able to fulfill eight of the prophecies that were made about him hundreds of years before? It's one in 10 to the 17th power. In other words, that's one in 100 quadrillion, and that's for eight of the prophecies. Do you know how many prophecies Jesus fulfilled? Conservatively speaking, not just eight, not 20, not 50, but conservatively speaking, Jesus fulfilled at least 300 prophecies. Now, the odds of Jesus fulfilling eight prophecies is one in 100 quadrillion. 
Do you know why we don't know what the odds are in Jesus fulfilling at least 300 prophecies? I don't think anybody can count that high. <laughs> I mean, the, it's it's astronomical. And Jesus fulfilled these prophecies, and these are recorded in the Bible. No other book is like the Bible. It is totally unique. This is exactly what we would expect from a book that is given to us by God. So the Bible is self-authenticating. The Bible has uh, unique uh, unique univocity or um, unique unanimity in what it says about its message. The Bible has fulfilled prophecies, but there is still more. The Bible is historically accurate. The Bible is constantly being corroborated by archaeological evidence. As a matter of fact, I recently read an article about the name of King David that was discovered on a slab, a stone slab or steel that was discovered. This slab is 2,900 years old, so that would put it co contemporaneous or contemporary with David. And archaeologists have discovered this, and they found David's name. For many years, people actually questioned whether or not David was a historical person. But archaeology has confirmed that David is real. He was real. And this is happening all the time, where archaeology and historical research are confirming and corroborating the Bible. Now, someone pointed out to me recently on Twitter that they don't like the term confirming because the Bible is self-confirmatory or self-authenticating. And that's fine. I, I think that that's probably true. We should say corroborate rather than confirm. But as a Christian, it should give you increased confidence and should be exactly what you expect, that history and prophecy and the other unique characteristics of the Bible, they all confirm that the Bible is, in fact, breathed out by God. And if you're not a Christian, this should challenge you in your conclusions about the Bible. And I hope that it does. I hope that you'll give the Bible another look. I hope that you'll consider what the Bible says and what the Bible actually is. Now, for the Christian man listening to this, you're thinking, okay, this is a lot to take in. I want to articulate this to my coworkers. I want to articulate this to my children. What does this all boil down to? Why are we talking about the Bible? Here's why. Because all of this combines to corroborate for us and to, to help us to understand that the Bible is really from God. It is authoritative, so authoritative that to even question it, you must already assume that it is true. It's, it's like the speed limit. Whether you believe in it or not, it is authoritative. And the Bible says that God is real. The Bible can be trusted, and the Bible tells us that God is really there. So here's the choice. You can rule out God and try to explain the Bible as something written by mere men alone, flawed, sinful, bumbling men. I don't think so. Or you can believe in God. And the existence of the Bible, with all its incredible, astonishing attributes, will make perfect sense. So belief in the Bible, belief in God, makes sense of the Bible. Belief in God just makes sense. All right, now we're ready to move on. Let's talk about how belief in God makes sense of the world. Does the world seem like the kind of place where the God of the Bible, the triune God of Scripture, is actually there? When you believe in God, you can make sense of the world. This is what you need to explain to your non-Christian friend or discussion partner or coworker. 
Without God, you cannot make sense of the world around you. Now, we already touched on some of this a second ago, a minute ago, when I was describing how we need an absolute standard for logic and morality and truth. We can actually take this a little further. And this is incredibly important, but something we very rarely think about. We all have a sense that the world behaves in a consistent and a reliable way. We all assume that there are laws of logic that govern our conversation, that govern what is true. For example, we, ex we expect that when we're talking with someone, they are not going to contradict themselves intentionally or otherwise. And you know what? This is not something that you have to take a formal logic class to understand. You don't have to study logic in order to know that contradictions are a problem. How do we know this? Well, if you have kids, try telling your kids in the morning, hey, kids, later on, we're going to go out for ice cream. And then about three o'clock, tell them, you know what? We're not going to go out for ice cream. Do you think they'll notice the contradiction? I think they will. They don't have to study formal logic to know that there's something wrong with contradicting yourself. We're hardwired to know that contradictions are a problem and that there are laws of logic that don't change, that govern the way we're supposed to think and act. And it's not just our thoughts and our actions that are governed by this. The whole world behaves in a consistent, reliable way, and we all expect this. Think about this. Were you, were you surprised and excited to find out that the sun came up this morning? No, you probably didn't even think about it, right? Unless you were up to see the sunrise and appreciated it. You probably never even gave it a second thought that the sun came up today. Why? Because yesterday, today's sunrise was future, and you'd never been to the future, and yet you went to bed last night not questioning whether or not the sun was going to come up. And this morning, it didn't surprise you. Why not? Because you expect that, that the universe is going to behave the way that it always has. You expect that the future is going to be like the past. Furthermore, you expected when you got out of bed this morning, you weren't surprised that you didn't fall up towards the ceiling. You, you weren't surprised that gravity continued to pull you down towards the ground. Why? Because you expect the universe to behave in basically a rational, consistent way. This is the perspective, by the way, that makes science possible. When you expect that the world is going to behave in a rational and consistent, reliable way, you can perform scientific experiments. As a matter of fact, you could not perform scientific experiments if you didn't think the world was going to act that way. So this is the worldview that makes science possible. And this is the worldview that is taught by the Bible. This is the worldview that's, that is taught by, th this is the expectation that we ought to have if we believe in God, specifically the God of the Bible. There is a very good reason why the scientific revolution was launched by Christians acting consistently with their Christian worldview. Science requires uniformity in nature and the possibility of inductive reasoning. These assumptions make perfect sense if God is there holding the universe together. But if God is not there, there is no reason to assume that the world will operate that way. In a godless, unguided universe, the only God, quote unquote, would be random chance. Well, you can't do science in a world governed 
only by random chance. But if God is there, and he is, we would expect the universe to behave exactly the way that it does. Orderly, reliable, consistent, faithful. Now, Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. And Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So according to the Bible, the Son of God is holding the universe together, and he is consistent and faithful and reliable, and that is why we can do science, and that is why we expect the world to behave in a consistent way. And we all value consistency and reliability. If you run a business, how important is it to you that your employees be faithful and reliable every day? And you pay them what they're worth because of that. You, put, you place a high value on dependability. We all do. Well, God is the ultimate dependable person. God is the ultimate in consistency and reliability. Jesus Christ is totally faithful. He always keeps his promises. And because of that, and he, because he's created the world and upholds it, we can make sense of the world. If you didn't believe that, you couldn't make sense of the world. But believing in God does make sense of the world. Believing in God just makes sense. Okay, so we talked about the Bible. We talked about the world. Now let's talk about how believing in God makes sense of personal experience. Now this is the point where you're going to get the most personal. And I'm going to get personal with you here. And I want to tell you that your experience is going to be different than mine. So when you're sharing, and you can share my experience. You can say, hey, I know this guy, blah, blah, blah. But you're going to want to find things that you can share about your own personal experience to fill in to this point, to this part of your defense. Let's talk about how belief in God makes sense of my own life's experience. See, God is not just some abstract concept. God doesn't just want us to know about him. He wants us to know him personally. And in my life, I've seen God at work. In my adult life, I have been through hardship, and I know you can relate to this. You've had your, hard, your share of hardship as well in your life. But I'm a man who has been through the valley of the shadow of death with my family. When our son Lucas was 10 months old, he was diagnosed with leukemia. And after two years, the doctors declared him to be in remission. But then three weeks later, when he was three years old, he relapsed. This time, the leukemia came back in his central nervous system. And so he had to go through another two years of protocol of chemo and radiation. And that was absolutely brutal. But after about a year and a half, Lucas was doing much better. Until on February 14th, 2019, the doctors told us that he was going into heart failure. And so this started one of the most brutal years of our lives as a family. He spent the majority of that year inpatient at Lurie Children's Hospital in Chicago. I tell you all this, not to try to evoke sympathy for myself or for my family, but I, I tell you this because during that time, I will tell you this, I never lost my faith. Why? Because I'm the, the paragon of perfect, faithful virtue? No, I'm not an especially holy person. But every time where it seemed like the floor was going to drop out from underneath me, God sustained me. God was my foundation. Jesus Christ supported me and kept me from losing hope, losing faith. 
He did this through his word. He did this through godly friends and through our local church. He was there for me. And I experienced this on a firsthand level. And that is exactly what the Bible says about God. Psalm 34, 18 says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. 1 Peter 5, 7 says to cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I've experienced the Lord's provision and help. I've also experienced him delivering me from sin, even powerful, destructive, sinful habits in my life. The Lord has set me free from those. I don't take credit for this. I give all glory to Jesus Christ. I'm not that strong, but God is. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's what the Bible says. Maybe you've seen this in your own life, and you have something you can share with your non-Christian friend. I hope you do. And if not, pray for that. Pray to see God working in your life. Now, is all this visible evidence for God? No, but there is more to life than what you can see, isn't there? You can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. You can see it tossing your lawn furniture all over your backyard on a windy day, like I saw last fall. And in the same way, you can see the effects of God in your life, even if you can't see God face to face. Now, God does not promise to deliver you from every trial or to give you perfect moral perfection or health and wealth or anything like that. But if you belong to Jesus Christ, he does promise never to leave you nor forsake you. If you have repented of your sins and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, he will be with you now and forever. Although the wages of sin is death, and you and I are sinners, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus died for sinners like you and me. Isn't that amazing? So belief in God makes sense of personal experience, and that personal experience leads us directly to Jesus Christ. So we've seen how belief in God leads to Jesus. We've seen how belief in God makes sense of personal experience, of the world, and of the Bible itself. I hope this has given you something to be able to share with your non-Christian friends. And if you're not a Christian, I hope that this has challenged you in all the right ways. So going back to Genesis 1-1, did God really create the heavens and the earth? That conclusion is inevitable. It is perfectly reasonable, it is perfectly rational, and it and believing, believing in God is the only way to make sense of the world. I hope you've seen that, and I hope you've seen that it's not just a good idea to believe in God, but it's actually the only way you can make sense of life. God is really real, and believing in Him just makes sense. Now, if you haven't done so yet, now is the time to join the Think Squad group. This is the group that will help you become the worldview leader that your family and your church need you to be. Right now, we've got almost 800 people in the group, all on the same journey that you're on. If you want robust theological and Christian worldview discussion, if you want to get all the resources that we are putting out from PDF guides to audio guides to live videos, Q&As, everything that we're, that we're doing to help Christian men become worldview leaders, that is going to be found in this group. Now, to join the group, it's completely free. All you have to do is go to facebook.com slash thinksquad, T-H-I-N-K-S-Q-U-A-D. Go there now. Today is the day to join this group. If you haven't done so yet, check it out. You're going to love it. All right, well, that about does it for this Production of the Think Institute. 
We equip believers to explain, share, and defend the Christian message, and we are based by God's grace. 